Well, for the past couple of weeks, if you've been tracking with us, you know that we've been talking about songs and the power of songs. And, and songs are able to capture our feelings and somehow they're able to put them to words. Uh, that's why one person I read after recently called songs the literature of the soul. It's the words of our soul, it's the words of our heart. It flows out of the experiences of our life, the emotions that are attached to those experiences in life. Uh, another person called it the outbursts of the soul. It just kind of erupts, it just kind of comes up. Uh, sometimes it's spontaneous, sometimes it's thoughtful, and, and all of a sudden there's words. Uh, to what's going on in our life. Uh, a great philosopher by the name of Dick Clark, he said that the best songs uh, become the soundtrack of our lives. And it's those songs, it's the songs that become the soundtrack of our lives that we're most attracted to, like, like metal to a magnet, because we understand those songs. And the reason that we understand those songs is because in some way we've lived those songs. Uh, we can hear in those songs our stories embedded within the lyrics and within the rhythm and the melody of that song, we find the stories of our lives. And that's the songs that we're drawn to. Uh, all the different aspects of what makes us who we are and what we've experienced, the story of your life and the story of my life. And the reason that songs are so able to tell the stories of our life in the way that they do in such a short way is because songs leverage the fact that the human experience it's really not that different from person to person. Now, I know that that seems counterintuitive at first, but really the human experience is much the same for you as it is for me. There's different degrees and different shades of what you've gone through and what I've gone through and what we've experienced. But when life is reduced down to the minimum, uh, we all know, we all understand what joy is, uh, we all understand what love is. We all know what pain is. We all know what disappointment is. We, we know what betrayal feels like. We know what a broken heart feels like. We know what it's like to want what you can't have. We know what it's like to have love and to have lost in some way. And, and songs leverage those common themes in all of our lives so well. And that's the reason we can find ourselves in so many songs because songs in their rhyme and in their rhythm, they, they capture the moments of our life. Uh, they capture the moments of your life. And, and here's what's really interesting, and we could, we could spend a lot of time talking about it, we're not, and I could geek out on it all day, but when you have a moment in your life or a season in your life that's emotional and it becomes memorable, uh, there's something about that moment in your life that your, your mind wants to catalog. That moment in your life becomes a memory. And oftentimes those memories, because those memorable moments, those meaningful moments in our lives, they're often in some way attached to music. Uh, during the emotional times of our lives, there's usually songs somewhere in the peripheral of the story. Someone sends us a song, we heard a song, there's that song at church, there's that song on the radio, there's that song from, you know, back when I was a teenager that I remember, and it kind of captures that moment. So that moment that becomes a memory often gets anchored to a melody, to a song. And all of a sudden, a song, a melody, a rhyme, a set of words, all of a sudden, it's the key that unlocks a memory. And that explains why you can be in Kroger and you can be, you know, in the produce section getting ready for Christmas and or getting ready for Thanksgiving and you're looking for oranges and looking for apples and you're looking for veggies and all of a sudden there's this song that plays from overhead and all of a sudden, you weren't even thinking about it. But when that song came on, you were transported transported back to another time, another place, and all the emotion that was attached to it, it was like you could relive it. You, you weren't even expecting it, but all of a sudden there was a song that got itself attached to a moment, 
and a memory. And you hear that song and it's what you think of almost every single time. And we love those songs, usually, not always, but uh, there's songs that you have that you could tell me about, but since I've got the microphone and since I have really enjoyed every week of this series playing music for you, I thought I would pr- play DJ Preacher one more time because it's oh so fun. Last week, Austin, you know, he played okay songs, but obviously week one and week two were superior in the song selections. Then last week, uh, Phil Collins, never thought he'd show up here at the Creek, but he was here, you know, I the Tiger, you know, so predictable. And, you know, so I try to bring a little bit of variety a little bit of spice a lot. Sorry, Austin, Somerset, but I mean, I just call it the way I see it. They were good. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. But uh, when I think of songs that really just trigger something, there's one particular song. Every time I hear it, I think about my middle school and high school summer. And almost every day of my middle school and high school summer, I spent it at the same place. It was this really incredible place called Devil's Garden. And uh, it's, that's not metaphor for anything. I, I was just, it was a swimming place. And every time I hear this song, you've probably heard this song before. It's Cutting Crew. Now it's a good song, but not a great song. But every time I hear that song, I think of Devil's Garden. This Basically, this pond where pay, people would go to pay to swim in. That's what we do in Bell County. We pay to swim in ponds, and we don't have anything else to do. So we would go pay to swim in this pond, and there was this big crane, and you could swing and turn flips off the crane. It was really cool, and you wonder how they got insured for it. But, but they had this jukebox, and on this jukebox, they would always play music. And, and I just died in your arms tonight. It seemed like it would come across about once, twice, maybe three times every time that I was there. And every time I hear that song, I can't help it. It's just, I think, I think of summer. I think of blankets. I think of laying on the grass. I think being with my friends, it's just crazy. You, you've got those songs as well. And sometimes those songs are connected to good times and sometimes not so bad times. You know, how many of y'all, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all fell in love and you thought it was for the last time in middle school? How many, anybody? Okay, I'm talking to a holier than thou crowd, obviously. Okay, obviously I'm getting very little help today from you. So I'm just gonna pretend you're more supportive than what you are. But you know, you had that moment where you fell in love with her in middle school and you swore it was gonna be the last time. I mean, this is it, I found the one. I'm, I'm in seventh grade, I found the one. Well, I thought I fell in love and then I fell out of love. And I noticed a lot of adults still continue to do that. They keep falling in all those potholes and, and then they climb out. And you know, so you know, we start middle school mainly, we carry the same thing with us through adulthood. But I remember I broke up with this girl and. She didn't take it very well. And, and she called me one night, a couple weeks after we broke up and she was in tears. And, and if you're a guy, you know that typically our IQ lowers about 50 points anytime a girl talks to us while they're crying. We just don't know what to say. Uh, if you wanna make us stupid, just talk to us while you've got tears and we, we don't know what to do. And, and so she was crying and she was like, I've got so many things you know, I wanna say, but I've tried to write it down and I can't write it down. So I've got something really specific that I wanna say in a very specific way. And I just need you to just be quiet and listen. And then she cued a soundtrack and she began to sing me this song. So I'm guessing brokenhearted people call their ex-boyfriends and create a very awkward moment. And every time I hear Whitney sing that song, I'm transported back to that very awkward conversation. What did you say at the end of it? Well, Sometimes the best way to say something is to say nothing at all. So I hung up the phone. There's grace for that. There's grace for that. And you know, I don't think we've talked since. And, and then 
then I remember I got my heart broken in high school and, and that's what usually happens to guys around high school. You know, they fall head over and girl, you know, kind of just decides nah, it's not a good time for us. And it's time we, it's just best that we be just friends. I like you, but not like, just as friends. So she broke up, broke my heart. And then a few weeks later, she called and said, hey, you wanna go to the movies tonight? And the girls are so confusing. And it's like, what? What is this? And she goes, no, just as friends. Uh, oh, of course, I'd love to go with you to the movie just as friends. That's always a great night. And, and so then, then after the movie, she said, would you like to come sit in my car and talk a little bit just as friends? And I was like, well, sure, let's go hang out in your car after the movies in the dark just as friends. And let's just talk. And so we got in the car and she was like, you know, there's just been a lot of things going on and I, I just feel so confused. And the best way I know, I don't know why this keeps happening to me in my life, but she was like, I just want to play a song for you. And I was like, okay. And so she, she, she played this and you heard it's so hard to believe, but it's all coming right, back right. It's all coming back. Yeah. So it, it wasn't coming back to me. And, and then it was another awkward moment of where do we go from here? So what do you do in that moment? You just say, I feel the same way. I, you know, I do. You lie for a moment and then you break up two days later. But every time I hear Celine Dion, you know, Dion sing that song, I think she's a great singer, but it's not a great memory. And then one of her songs, I don't care if you're a big Celine Dion Fan, and I know I'm going to go on with this. This is the last week I get to play y'all music. So can I take the liberty of playing just a couple more? Is that okay? All right, good. Some of you are like, where are we at at church today? And why is this going on? Well, I'll tell you in just a moment. But I, 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 every time I hear one of the, it's one of, I think it's the worst song ever. I, I really do. I can't stand this song. I hate it. It just gives me a visceral hatred every time I hear it. This is it. I know it's a good song, but not really. It, can you play it? It's from one of the worst, it reminds me of one of the worst scenes in one of the greatest movies ever. And it reminds me of Rose not moving her sorry tail off the wood and letting poor Jack climb on. I, every time. I mean, Jack weighs a buck 25. It's like scooch your tail. Oh, I mean, just, would you just dangle your leg off the side and just see if Jack can hold on? And it just makes me mad. It's like, that's not what love does. I mean, her heart's going on. Well, sure, she let the man freeze to death. But anyway, so there's all that. But then here's, here's where I kind of bring it to. There's those songs that tell us who we are. Let me ask you a question. How many of, how many of y'all were born in Kentucky? Let's see it, okay, a lot of us. How many of y'all were born within say 45 miles of, of where we are right now, okay? A lot of us. John Cougar knew how to connect with, with us when, when he sang this song. You remember this one? Great song. How many of y'all were born in a small town? How many born in a small town? Yeah, so we feel that. You know, learn to fear Jesus in a small town. My mom still lives in the same small town and all that. It's like, I get that, I understand that. And then, you know, Kenny Chesney, he kind of hijacked John Cougar's idea. And, you know, he said it a little bit different way. You've heard this song, you know, Back Where I Come From. Can, can you play that one? You got that one? That'll be when it's said and done. I'm gonna die there, I'm proud to be from there. You know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm from this place in Kentucky. I'm from Bell County, I'm from Middlesboro. Now, my grandfather, uh, he, he was a coal miner, and then, then later on in his life, he was in business for himself, but 
he, he was up from Harlan County and that whole area. And, and every time I hear this song, I think of my people. I, th- I think of, you know, one side of my family be my mom's side of the family. And, and there's this great song. I, I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but you should hear it because it's great. And, and this is Patty Loveless. Just listen to this because there's a great line. In the deep dark hills of Eastern Kentucky. This is what they call real music. That's the place where I traced my bloodline. That's Appalachian twang. And it's there I read oh, this is it right on here. a hillside gravestone. You'll never leave Harlan alive. And I think of my people. And so, you know, it, that's family for me. It, it's... Never leave Harlan alive. But this is the last one. I thought I should throw one in for Allison. Um, she's here at the 11.30. She's usually at 9.30. But I've told you the story of how Allison and I met. I met Allison in the house of the Lord. And uh, she came forward during an invitation in this little khaki skirt and this baby blue shirt. And, and she knelt down at the altar to pray in a skirt that was not designed with altar prayer in mind. And, and, and I was sitting there on the front and, and I, I just I couldn't. I was captured by her prayer. And, and, and so I, I was thinking, you know, I don't know what she's praying about, but that's probably a great prayer. And, and so that's kind of how we first met. And every time I hear the song, I kind of think of Allison. This is by Jimmy Buffett, for those of you who like Jimmy Buffett, but this is great. Just listen to the words, crank this up I'm a little bit. I'm looking for a smart woman in a real short skirt. Smart woman knows how to So smart woman, short skirt. And I met her in the house of the Lord. All right, so now those are songs. And, and, and I would use all kinds of other songs to tell you my story and you would use all kinds, but they capture the moments of our life. And James Baldwin, he, he, he wrote about this and he, he said, the things that tormented me most in life were the very things that connected me with all the people who were ever alive and all of those who had been alive before. And that's kind of how songs work. They, they connect us with people who lived in another time and another place. They also connect us with people that are living today because in those songs, we, found our, we find our stories. And in those stories, we find that we're not all that different. That's how the Psalms work. Uh, the Psalms are stories because they're songs. They're songs that tell stories. And in those stories, we find the stories of our life because they're real people who wrote about real experiences. And we relate to them because they mirror our emotions and our experiences. And so today I wanna talk about Psalm 107. And it's a Psalm that we hear quoted quite a bit, but but we hardly ever read the entire thing. And I'm gonna read a lot of this chapter just because in it, we find our own stories. It's the story of your life and my life, even though our lives are, are very different. Psalm 107 is, is the story of Israel. It, it's a psalm that wasn't written by David, though a lot of the psalms were written by David. It, it's a psalm that was written decades, centuries after David was dead. And, and it really, it, it creates a memory around a very particular memorable event in Israel's history. Uh, God had told the nation of Israel, if you don't repent and turn to God, you're gonna get carried off into captivity. Uh, The nations are going to come in, they're going to plunder your city, they're going to destroy it, and they're going to take you captive in another land. And that happened in 586 BC when the Babylonians came in and conquered Jerusalem and took a lot of people into captivity. Well, that seemed to be the end of Israel's story. It it seemed to be a, a place where, you know, there was no hope, they were never coming back because once you were a conquered land, that was basically the end of your story. But 
against all odds and against all of the president of history, Uh, A king by the name of Cyrus, and we'll talk more about this next week, but Cyrus decides to let the Jewish people go. And so he allows them to go back to their homeland and they become a nation again. And that that very seldom ever, if ever happened. And so it's this incredible story. And the songwriter wanted to write a song that would connect people to this particular moment in Israel's story. So that when they heard this song, they would think about this story and they would remember all the emotions and all the things that they needed to remember that was connected to it, just like we use songs today. And so this is how the songwriter begins. He, he begins here, he says, give thanks to the Lord. Now, let's all just read that part together. He says, give thanks to the Lord. And we understand that, express your gratitude, just don't think it, just don't be content with just feeling it, but gratitude unexpressed is not gratitude at all. So he's encouraging through this song to take a moment and to acknowledge God's activity in your life, to acknowledge what God has done in your life and to be grateful to God, to think about your story, whether you're a student, whether you're a college student, whether you're a young adult, you know, whether you're middle-aged or advanced, whatever it is, think about your story. Think about all the details of what you've lived up into this moment. And, and, the, and the songwriter's confident that if we take a moment and we look at our lives, that if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we will discover that there's something to be grateful for. No matter how rough and how bad it's been, and no matter how much of a bad story you think you have and that it's worse than anybody else's, he says, when you take a long, hard look with eyes to see what can be seen, you will see something worth being grateful for. Now, gratitude is just not a choice, it's a discipline. And disciplines don't sound fun. Uh, disciplines are actually not a lot of fun until they become just a habit and they become part of our lives. But the gratitude is a discipline that every single one of us should work to develop because for the benefits of gratitude, they're so great, they're so numerous. Let me just give you a few just, just to hold on to, especially as we head into Thanksgiving. You should develop the discipline of gratitude if for no other reason than gratitude allows us to celebrate and savor the winds of life. You have to slow down to celebrate and you have to slow down to savor. You have, to, you have to slow down to take inventory of what's good. You have a good moment, you have a breakthrough, you have a step forward, there's some progress, there's a little bit of success, you're able to move the bar just a little bit. Don't move past it, don't be so ambitious that you're on to the next goal and, and just don't be so high paced in your life that you don't pay attention. Your son or your daughter, they take a good step forward, slow down, savor it, celebrate it. You have a personal breakthrough, you've been working on something, you're getting a little stronger, you're getting a little better, you're working on this, you're kind of sanding off the rough edges, you go another day and it's been good and slow down, celebrate it, savor it, be grateful for it. That's, that's what gratitude teaches us to do. Another thing about gratitude is it unfetters us from toxic emotions. Uh, I'm talking about the emotions which stifle the things that we want most anyway. I mean, peel back all the other stuff. What what are we looking for? We're looking for joy. We're looking for peace. We're looking for love. We're looking for acceptance. Those are the things that we're looking for. I mean, you take all the other stuff away. It's just window dressing. It's just the peripheral. It's just the things that we fill in thinking that's gonna get us to where we really wanna be. But oftentimes it's the toxic emotions that we carry around, right? It's the things like bitterness. You're bitter. You're bitter at what's happened in life. You're bitter at what did, you know, who did that and who didn't do this and 
who left and who didn't show up and you're jealous or insecure and you got all this anger on the inside and you just, you just burst out at a moment's notice because there's just so much junk going on down inside, you're just angry. You know, you keep it at bay sometimes, but it's just uncontrolled and it's just almost impossible to feel grateful when you're always walking around just angry and you got envy and you're looking at them and you wished and why not, why, why are we and how did they and you know, what did we do wrong? And gratitude moves us away from all of those emotions and gets us to a place where we can actually have what we wanna have, which is peace and joy and love. Gratitude alters our perspective. We see the same thing, but see it differently. Uh, somebody said, you know, a lot of people live their life um, grumbling that roses have thorns, but there's a few people who decide to live their lives being grateful that thorns have roses. It's just a different way of looking at the same thing. It's all about perspective and perspective, it informs the way that we feel and it informs our mental health. So th this is really important. It gives us a greater awareness of the wonderfully ordinary things that are in our lives that we just take for granted. We fixate on what's wrong instead of focusing on what's right, even if we feel like there's not a lot right. We focus on all of this instead of focusing on what's good and what's right. Gratitude causes us to do that. It forces us to do that. Uh, gratitude, it increases our mental fortitude. We're not weak mentally. We don't get sidelined by life. Something happens and we just aren't ready at a moment's notice to throw in the towel. You know, we're not petty, we don't wear emotions on our shirt sleeve. We have, some, we have some mental fortitude. Something happens, it's not so good, I didn't want it to happen, it didn't work out the way I want to, but you know what? I've got a fortress of thinking that's built around what's right and what's good. So I can, I can kind of retreat to what I'm grateful for instead of being just sidelined and wiped out by what I didn't want to happen. And, and gratitude, it, it does that. It, it anchors us to the present. You don't miss the faces of your kids. You don't miss the smile. You know, you get your face out of the phone and you're sitting at the dinner table and, and you hear the giggles and you soak it in. You feel the toes underneath the table and they're rubbing on your leg. And, and even though that's just what kids do, you, you, you pause for a moment and say, this is a moment in time I don't wanna forget. This is a moment in my life when I wanna remember what these little toes feel like on the side of my leg. It's that not being with friends. You love them and it's good food, it's great music, it's great times and you, you know, I, I don't deserve this. This is, this, this is like, this is incredible and you just take a moment and you breathe it in as much as possible and you just feel this sense of gratitude and you enjoy the laughter, you enjoy the company, you enjoy the stories and the conversations. That, that's what gratitude does. It strengthens our relationships. Every relationship will get stronger if gratitude is expressed between the people who are in the relationship. It's just the way it is. It's very difficult for a relationship to grow weak when the gratitude is strong. It's very difficult in work relationships or family relationships or friend relationships for things to grow sour when, when gratitude is, is such the normal culture of the relationship. Where you're not embarrassed to say, you know, I'm grateful for you, I'm thankful for you, I'm super glad, you know, you guys are in my life or you're in my life or I'm so glad. You know, just to express gratitude, it strengthens relationships. It's just, it's a beneficial thing and then, Last of all, it puts us in a posture of responsibility. It's not entitlement. Somebody doesn't owe me, nobody owes me anything. 
The government doesn't owe me anything. The world doesn't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. I don't deserve it. You know, it's just not this, this mentality of entitlement, but it's, it's this idea that everything that I've got is better than what I deserve. And when you feel like everything that you've got is better than what you deserve, there, there's just this sense of gratitude that comes along with it. So the songwriter says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. The goodness of God is the sum total of all that God is and all that God does. God and goodness, it's, it's impossible to separate those two things because what is good is inextricably connected to who God is and what God does. And here's why that matters because there's a lot of people walking around with a really unhealthy view of God. Here's what you need to know during this season of your life. God wants what is best for you. God wants what's best for you and God's intent and motives for you, they're always good. God's plan, you can rest assured that God's plan, whatever it entails, whatever it includes, that God's plan for you, for me, for us, it is always for our good because he is good. And that means that whatever God does or whatever God allows to happen in my life, it is right. Because God is always operating from a standpoint of goodness. And what God does is always good. And what God allows to happen will always come together ultimately for good because in him there's light and there's no darkness at all. He's good. And that's something to be grateful for. You know, we hear a lot of people say, isn't God good? You know, you're folks saying, hey, but I tell you, isn't that God good? I tell you, God's good, isn't he? God's good, isn't God good? And it's like, all, and oftentimes it's with a story, right? Someone avoids a, a near car crash on I-75. You know, they just barely miss it. And they, they get off on the shoulder and there's five other cars in it. And they read later, six people died in the accident. And somebody says, I'll tell you, we were almost in that car accident that killed six on the interstate. Isn't God good? Somebody breaks a bone, they go to the ER and they do an x-ray and then they have to do a CT, see if they're gonna be able to do surgery, do pens, do all that kind of stuff. And then there's a shadow in the x-ray, a shadow in the CT. And all of a sudden they find out that there's a early stage tumor and they discover that it's cancer. And because they caught it early, it, it, there's, no, there's no risk, there's no threat. It's gonna be a great outcome. And somebody says, I'll tell you, isn't God good? I'll tell you, if I hadn't broke that bone, they wouldn't have found it, wouldn't cure it. I'm telling you, isn't God good? Somebody goes through cancer, somebody has surgery, somebody has all the treatments and they come out on the other side and they're 20, 25 years, 30 years cancer free and they're like, isn't God good? But, but here's, here's the tension and the uncomfortable part. For the people that were in the car accident, is God still good? For the person that didn't get early detection of their cancer, is God still good? For the person that didn't survive, is God still good? When life is hard, can God still be good? When things don't turn out the way that I want them to turn out, can God still be good? When my prayers go unanswered, can God still be good? When my heart is broken, can God still be good? And perhaps if we wrestle with that and if we wonder with that, it's natural, but it's also because we have such a small definition of the goodness of God. We think that God is good when things work out the way we wanted them to work out. We think that God is good when there is no pain and when the answer to our prayer, it comes just on time. But the scriptures, the scriptures give us this painting of God, this picture of God that says that God is just as good to the sick as he is to the healthy person. 
That God is just as good to the parents who have obedient children as he is to the parents who have a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. That God is just as good to the woman who can conceive as he is to the woman who can conceive. He's just as good to the person who kept their job as he is to the person who lost their job. We learn what Spurgeon talked about, and we'll come back to it at the end, but he says, God is good because when the storms of life hit, he comes closer to us than the storm ever could. That when the darkness descends, he comes closer than the darkness. He holds us in his arms when all hell breaks loose. He, he doesn't change in those moments. He doesn't falter. And in those moments, he holds on to us and he refuses to let go. And while he refuses to let go, somehow he's taken all the hell, he's taken all the mess, he's taken all the pain, and he's working it out for your good. He's working it out for my good. That at the end of the story, maybe just not now, but at the end of the story, we're gonna realize that it was for my good. What I couldn't see, I will see. What I couldn't understand, one day I will understand that God was working in the midst of it all for my good. And so he says, give thanks to the Lord because he's good. God is always good. God always does good, no matter what. You can give thanks to the Lord for that. Let's all just say that out loud, just, just confess it. God is always good and God always does good, no matter what. If we really believe that, it changes the way we see life. It changes the way we process pain. It changes the way that we see disappointment. If we believe that God is always good and God always does good, no matter what, that's how we can have peace in the midst of the most uncomfortable seasons of life. That's how we can have joy in the midst of the heaviest seasons of life. Because God is so good that in ways that I don't even know how to understand, that God is able to weave his eternal purposes into our pain. That God is able to weave his perfect will somehow into the storms and the disappointments of our life. That somehow God is able in the midst of the darkness to bring us to a place of greater light. That, that God is able to work in that season of pain to bring you and me to a, to a place of greater purpose. During that time of loss, he's able to take you to a place of greater gain. That he's always working things out for good because he is good. So give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His, his love never fails, it endures forever. That your life, as tough as it may be, as painful as it may have been, it is not a reflection of how God feels about you. God's love never fails, God never gives up on us. His love never changes, it never dulls, it never wanes in passion. He sees you as a treasure, a treasure that he sent his son to die for. So he says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. How? Through a song. Because songs capture those moments that become memories. That when those songs get attached to those memories, those are the things that we never forget because they tell the story of our lives. You have a story, I have a story, Israel had a story. Israel's story was one of ups and downs and wrong turns and setbacks and stubborn rebellion and willful defiance. It was one of heartache and it was, it was one of success and then it was times of darkness and chaos. But yet the songwriter wants everybody to know that in the midst of all of the up and downs and in-betweens, 
that we can give thanks because God is good and his love never fails. That in the middle of the details, he's always there working for our good because he is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he rescued from the hand of the foe, redeemed. Those he gathered from the lands, from the east to the west, from the north to the south. Wherever you came from, whatever your story is, we find common ground. He kind of wraps this song up by giving us four portraits, four pictures that all of us can relate to, that we all see as part of our story. And see if you find yourself in any of these. He says, some... Some of them, some of us, wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. These are the restless ones. And if you're one of the restless spirits in life, you, you, you know this is part of your story. These are the people, these are those of us who wander from place to place or job to job or relationship from relationship or from hobby to hobby or from one substitute to another substitute or one thing to another, always trying to fill in the gaps, always looking for questions or you know answers to the questions that we have. And these answers, never they never seemingly satisfy us. So we just we kind of keep on looking for something we can't seemingly find and our souls are never at rest and we're always angsty and always just feel like something's missing and if we could just get this and if we could just have him and have her or grab that or make more or have this, it just seems like everything would just fall into place. These are people just lost, no true north, no, no anything guiding them that's objective, no, no foundation that they're building on chronically discontent. Their lives feel aimless and purposeless. And then they get to a place, and maybe this is your story, that they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He stepped in and he offered meaning and purpose and contentment and community and excitement. And he offered all the things that we thought we were looking for elsewhere and we found it in a relationship with our heavenly father. He offers us a better way of life. It says he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. So what's our response? So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. He says, if that's your story, your only response is gratitude. He says, and then there's some who sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. These are the rebellious ones. Men and women in prisons of their own making, in prisons of their own choosing, hostage to their own rebellion, hostage to their own appetites, their own desire for freedom, autonomy, and independence, ended them up in a prison where they never thought that they would be. So it says he subjected them to bitter labor. This is not a sweet time. This was bitter. This was tough. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Everything felt hopeless and helpless. They, they can't figure out why does this keep happening to me? It's because they're in a prison of their own making, their own choosing. For some people, it's addiction by their own choosing. Their own decisions led them to the prison they're, they're currently in. Toxic attitudes hold some people prisoner. Bitterness, unforgiveness, grudges, constant comparison with other people, so much so you can't be happy with who you are or what you have. Greed or arrogance, 
held captive. And then some of us, we got to the place where that just, we knew that there had to be more than this. And it says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness and broke away their chains. And in other words, he gives freedom. He gives us freedom from the things that hold us back. So what's some things holding you back? What would that be? He gives freedom from it. He offers us a better way to live. He offers us a way to live in a way that we don't even think we're capable of living. How do they respond when their chains get broke away? Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down the gates of bronze and he cuts through the bars of iron. And the rhyme and the reason and the melody of this song, it just keeps on coming back to the same thing. We got ourselves in a mess. We got to the end of it. We cried out, God stepped in. God met our needs, so we give thanks to him. He gives us a third picture and we, we wrap it up right in here. He says, some, some of us became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all the food and drew near the gates of death. In other words, they were so enlightened, they became foolish. And there's a whole thing that could be said about that in our current culture and climate, that we've become so smart that we're borderline dumb, that our logic, as faulty as sometimes it is, it has taken us in predictable directions. And these are people who just, they just get so foolish and so unwise that it led to pain that the pain of their life was connected to the choices that they had made. It wasn't so much what someone else did. It was the self-inflicted wounds that hurt the most. It's not what you did to me, it's what I did to myself. It's what I chose for myself. It's the path that I decided to walk down. I was so foolish that I harmed myself. I undermined my own future because of my foolishness. And some of us, oh, we could write a book. But then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them. He rescued, rescued them out of the grave. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. And then this last picture that he gives us. This is something we don't have control over. This is, this, is, this is that moment, these are the seasons when we're not responsible. We're not to blame. It's not our choices, it's not our foolishness, it's, it's not our restlessness that got us in the place that we're in. It's all out of our control. He says, some went out on the sea in ships and they were merchants on the mighty waters. And then God spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves and in their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits end. This is a picture of being caught up in what you didn't want and you didn't invite. You didn't ask for it, it just happened. You didn't deserve it, it just happened. You didn't choose it, it just happened. Life threw it at you. Somebody threw it at you. Somebody that you didn't have any control over, their choices messed your life up. 
He says they were at their wit's end in a storm that they didn't ask for, in a storm that they couldn't control. They couldn't snap it away. They couldn't pray it away. They couldn't faith it away. And as they're being tossed back and forth by life and by trouble and by whatever's going on, they get to the very end of when they think they cannot handle it anymore. And it says, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. It was not the path that they wanted, but God got them to where they ultimately wanted to be anyway, to where he wanted them to be, even if it meant taking them through the eye of the storm itself. So let them, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. There's so many things this song teaches us. I'll just throw these in your heart and in your mind to hold on to, to take with you. But we're reminded that God is good because when the storms of life hit, he comes closer to us than the storm ever could. He's there. You may not hear him, you may not feel him, but he's holding on to you and he refuses to let go. And all the while, he is somehow working it out for your good. Be grateful for that, have confidence in that. Be reminded that what's out of our control is always under his control. You can't change it. All the prayers haven't changed it. But what's out of your control, it's always under his control. Be grateful for the fact that even when I imprison myself, he's willing to set me free. And be grateful that even when my wounds are self-inflicted, He's still willing to heal me. He doesn't come up and say, you did this to yourself. You'll just have to lay in the bed that you made. He's willing to heal the wounds that I brought on myself. The point of the song that's connected to a moment that had become a memory that was to be revisited over and over and over again the thing that was to never be forgotten is the fact that the goodness of God, it is the story of my life. It is the story of my life. As much as I may not be able to see it now, as much as I may not be able to believe it right now, one day the goodness of God will be the story of my life. It will be the story of your life no matter how restless and no matter what kind of mess the restlessness took you to and no matter how bad the storm was that you didn't ask for, no matter how many foolish decisions you hurt yourself or how many prisons you locked yourself up into, that we can rest assured that God somehow in all of his redeeming love and mercy 
He never lets go of us and he never stops working it for our good. He ends the song by saying, those who are wise will take all of this to heart. They will see in our history or our story, the faithful love of the Lord. The songwriter wanted Israel to know that one day when you look back, God let you go through all the sideways turns and the wonderings and all the seasons of willful rebellion and God allowed you to go through those dark times and God allowed you to go into captivity and God brought you back and one day you're gonna see that God had a plan and you were a part of it. And in the end, you'll realize it was for your good. You see, when I encounter the worst of life and people, I can still count on, you can still count on, we can still count on the goodness of God. One day when we get to the end of it all, or maybe one day in the new world to come, when we tell our stories, we'll roll up our sleeves and we'll talk about those scars that became our strength. We'll talk about the pain that propelled us into purpose. We'll talk about how the setbacks were just really setups. We will tell the stories of how we wandered away and got lost, but he came after us and he found us and he, he brought us back. We'll tell the story of how that thorn in the flesh, it, it unleashed the power of God in our lives that as close as the storm came, he came closer still. He held tight and he never let go. We'll tell stories about how even when we took a wrong turn, somehow the grace of God allowed us to end up in the right place. How the best case scenario was that he was always in charge of my worst case scenario. How that the uninvited and the unwanted storm was somehow just what I needed to be who God wanted me to be. We'll tell the story of our lives and the story of our lives will be the goodness of God that somehow against all odds, he worked it all out for your good, our good, my good. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. I want us to take a moment and I want, I want you to think back over your story I want you to think back over your life. Think about the good and the bad and the ups and the downs and the unexpected and the unwanted. And, and if you'll ask God to open your eyes and I'm confident you'll begin to even see just the whispers of his goodness that's brought you even to this moment in time against all odds, you're still standing. Against all odds, you're still here. You're still clinging to faith. And I want you to think about his goodness in your life and how that goodness is something that you can be grateful for. Think about those moments. Think about those memories. You took a wrong turn, but you ended up in the right place. 
those scars have made you stronger. And just take a moment and begin to thank God for it. 